Hello, and welcome to Never a Dull Moment, a talk show and podcast for angels and founders. Ziad of Boston Harbor Angels has fun with co-hosts and guests as they discuss and debate all topics from the world of startups and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the conversation. Now, here they are. Enjoy the show. Morning, Sanjay. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Great. Happy New Year to you, too. Yeah. Right so, so glad to have you. Um, let's just jump right in. First okay. of all, I'd love, if you're okay, to for you to tell your story of how you ended up in Boston. And then we'll talk about facial recognition. Okay. Well, um, I'm originally from Nepal. And uh, right after 10th grade, I was uh, looking for a, a better place to get educated. And uh, I got offered a scholarship to a school, International Baccalaureate School in New Mexico. Uh, they paid for the two years, airfare included. So I took it. And there they said, you know, based on your math, chemistry, physics uh, grades, you ought to apply to MIT. And I said, what's MIT? <laughs> uh, just, just apply. See if you get in. I said, you know, we have not much money in Nepal, so I don't think I can afford it. And they said, MIT is needs blind. Just apply. And uh, they'll cover the delta. Well, my delta was 100%, and uh, they covered uh, the 100%. And here I am. I've been here pretty much since undergraduate days. Nice. All right. Well, let's get going. So uh, MIT was instrumental in your career and led you to becoming, among other things, an expert in facial recognition technology. So let's just, this is big. Facial recognition now is starting to be everywhere. We don't know about it. So first of all, tell me, how powerful is facial recognition? I mean, as simple as if you're wearing sunglasses, does it recognize who you are? Yeah. So um, as you, we all know, there are these two uh, hype humps, right? Uh, according to Gartner and all. I, I think for AI, the first uh, hype hump was probably in the uh, mid-80s. And I think a lot of investors a lot, a lot of, uh, lost a lot of money in that uh, hype curve. You know, it was a, a lull for a little bit for AI. And literally because of compute, the math hasn't changed a lot, but the compute has, right? In the last five years, the neural networks, the learning part of AI has really helped, uh, you know, all aspects. And we're hearing even more nowadays. Where facial recognition, but computer vision generally, uh, came about is uh, about five, six years ago, and it completely leapfrogged all previous ways to do things like facial recognition. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, it's all about the training data. And if you've trained uh, your model, call it a neural network model, uh, to recognize faces with or without sunglasses, yeah, we can absolutely recognize uh, with or without sunglasses. Generally, a fancy word for things around the face are called occlusions. So let's say, uh, yeah, you uh, you know uh, provide a selfie, clean shaven, and you want to be recognized after you have a 
good uh, you know beard and mustache yep no problem that's an occlusion dark glasses hats you know headsets all occlusions and if you've trained your model well you can absolutely recognize even with those and due to the pandemic we came to know about a new occlusion where we lost 40% of the landmarks landmarks are what you see around the face <laughs> called face mask <laughs> for and face yes. mask yeah and even with face mask on at least uh wicket's uh algorithms can recognize you wow okay so so this is the raw science right so the raw science if you if you take that what you call the computing power plus the 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 science or the ai behind it now uh computer vision can recognize people with occlusion without occlusion so that's yeah. the the raw uh piece now on yeah. top of that we start talking about applications to this yes so this is where it becomes interesting so let's start tell us about your view on the general applications of all this technology yeah uh, I'm of the age uh, where, you know, back in the day, you know, there was a big black box called software. So there was hardware, there was financial services, there were, you know, uh, agriculture, and there was this uh, industry called software. Everything was software, right? And, oh, you're in software, great. So we are in uh, computer vision and facial recognition today, how software was considered in the, let's say, mid 70s, early 80s, right? It's one big blob. So facial recognition in the general uh, context is one blob. What you bring up, Ziad, quite uh, rightly is what we call use cases or applications. So one use case that the general public gravitates towards, I think the, you know, the public just can't help it because it's in Hollywood, it's in uh, you know, uh, the general consciousness, Facial recognition being used to detect uh, criminals or to be matched with, you know, law enforcement databases and all. That is what uh, the use case that I call facial surveillance. There are other use cases, and Wicked by uh, by our values and by our way to go to market have said, you know. We think the TAM, total addressable market, is not in facial surveillance. There are plenty of companies in that space. We call them security companies. And there are plenty of customers, mostly in law enforcement. Uh, and they're doing fine. And that's one way to make, uh, a, you know, create a good business. Where we think the TAM is amazing is applications where you, the individual, opt in and want convenience or benefits to the individual. So those use cases is where Wicked is very active. So let's start with what in, what are some of those use cases? A very simple and one can you is, can you tell people, okay, Wicked is the company you run right now, right? Yes, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Wicked. We've been uh, at this for a little over uh, two years. Our algorithms have been uh, uh, active uh, and the product has been uh, going for almost four years. So four years in this new era of facial recognition and computer vision is, uh, you know, we're grandfathers, right? <laughs> because, <laughs> because uh, you know, this is brand new territory. 
Uh, yes, the, Wicked is the company uh, I run. We are very small, about uh, five in Cambridge and about 20 in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, but our uh, customers, our use cases, all by opt-in is uh, quite uh, a wide gamut. Excellent. For instance, we got started and every uh, new venture needs the first customer. And you have to be very careful who you pick as your first customer. So I think, you know, it's a very, very uh, difficult time for everyone. But let me remind you what we were going through in 2020. And uh, starting March 2020, everything starts shutting down. You are not going to a concert or a sporting venue. Uh, having said that, I still remember this, uh, you know, call very, uh, very well. July 1st, 2020, the Cleveland Browns called us and said, Hey, you guys have been talking about facial ticketing. Can you guys detect people with masks on? Because the Ohio governor said maybe they'll, he'll let 20% of our fans into the stadium uh, for first uh, game in early September. And we said, yes, those are called occlusions. And we can detect people accurately, even with those kinds of occlusions like face masks. They did not believe it. They said, all right, let's do first two games for free. And first hour of the first game, they said, holy moly, this works. Okay. For all, <laughs> all eight home games. So, so, so just to explain, facial ticketing means you walk through the gate of a stadium and, and a camera sees your face and knows uh, uh, you have a ticket and opens the door, right? Correct. In, in a nutshell, that's what it is. There's a little bit of, uh, remember we said opt-in, right? So uh, the workflow is fairly straightforward. The let's say the marketing uh, department of uh, uh, the teams might send you an email saying, "Hello, Ziad. Uh, this year we have this new program called Accelerated Access, or and every team uses their own branding. Uh, but let's say uh, they say we have this special technology where you do not have to wait half an hour in line anymore. You don't have to open your phone. You don't have to uh, provide the QR code." You just walk into this accelerated access lines. And uh, if you want to do that, please click this link. And that link is serviced by Wicket. Okay. So that link basically okay. takes you through the legalese and you opt in, click, click. And then we ask you for a selfie. And we ask you for a selfie right this moment. Now, we don't want your vacation pictures and all that. Why is that? Because we don't want, we want to control what we get. We want only one good picture. So as an example, we don't want uh, the camera too close to you, too far from you. And you just use your own device, your iPhone, your uh, you know, uh, laptop, whatever. We don't want a big light source behind you, like a window. So we'll ask you to move or whatever. But when we're comfortable, and most people get it in first try, uh, we'll say, and we'll see you at the game. You're all set. And at the game, you go to the lanes that say accelerate access. We know who you are with good level of confidence from, say, 15 feet out. By the time you start walking towards uh, the, we call it a sensor. A sensor is a camera and a compute put together. In this particular case, we're hardware agnostic, so uh, the, uh, the teams use an iPad. Our algorithms, computer vision algorithms, are running inside the iPad. It's embedded. The iPad also happens to have two cameras in the front, one optical, one depth camera. The depth camera is to make sure uh, we can detect spoof, right? 
So by the time you're approaching this, uh, effectively an iPad on a pole, which is a lane, um, by, by the time you're uh, within six feet, we know with you know, very, very high degree of accuracy, it is you, even with face mask on and all that. But already, and like, that- my mind is racing. I can go buy popcorn or a beer, show my face, done, case closed. I can. Right. I don't have to worry about someone stealing my, my credit card. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Just by hearing you talk, I'm already, like, yeah. So, so first, the use case of ticketing, right? So, uh, at four feet, we'll say, "Ziad, welcome. Enjoy the game." It'll be green, so there's visual feedback that will take three three hundred milliseconds, less than half a second. So, thirty minutes of wait, no line, three hundred milliseconds, you're going in. So now you have uh, half an hour to do whatever you want. Now you want to go buy a beer. So now we also have facial payments. So let's say in addition to the selfie, you're okay providing a picture of your driver's license to make sure that you're of age because you know beer and uh, alcohol beverage are safe <laughs> yeah. products, right? And you say, you know, I also don't want to mess around with the credit card. I'll provide my credit card details as well. So now you can order through your mobile app, be at your seat or wherever, and then it'll say, go to this concessioner and pick up pile A as opposed to B, C, or D, right? So they'll all, it'll be ready for you and you get an alert and you can go and pick up pile A. They can see who's approaching. They, as in the people behind the counter, they don't even need to interact with you. They don't need to see your ID. They don't need to get your credit card because it's all taken care of. They do need to know who you are, right? And that is the facial recognition. So we call this facial payments. We start a facial payments you know, in the fall of 2022. And it has been a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, uh, success, not just for the fans, but for the concessioners as well. So here's uh, an example. You go to a concert or you go to a ball game, you know the food and beverage is slightly overpriced, but you go there to have a good time. You don't mind. You're going to go have, you know, uh, two beers and two hot dogs for you and your buddy. If you could just pick up, as I just said, in less than a second, you'll say, well, I didn't miss uh, the game. I didn't miss the concert. You might go back for second, third, fourth beer as well. But let's say you had to wait 45 minutes, and sometimes it is that long, half an hour, 45 minutes, you're going to miss the game, you're watching the game on the TV. You know, you don't want to do that again. And now what happens? You not only have a very bad time, you know, the uh, you know, fan, uh, you know, uh, engagement, fan satisfaction is messed up, number one. But number two, the concessioner and the teams do not make as much money. It's a revenue gen play here, right? Because your five years worth of, uh, you know, uh, revenue sat in your wallet. It did not get spent, <laughs> right? Okay. So for all these reasons, it is not only a convenience, this is a revenue generator, right? So facial ticketing, facial uh, payments, and we also do VIP management. So VIP management means basically, you know, you're uh, a VIP, uh, Ziad, and you and your buddies at BHA have a box, uh, you know, up on the suite. You need to tap your card or show your ticket three or four times before you get there. Our view is what's wrong with your face? You just keep walking, right? There are cameras at every stage and we know, oh, yep, this Ziad, he belongs in box 210, he's uh, box 210. So with opt-in, you can do all of that. If you say, you know, I don't care for that, then you can you need to show your QR code and so on and so forth. 
So we talked about facial ticketing. We talked about facial payments. We can also open just about any door because you know the key card is connected to the door lock system. So we're already integrated to you know uh, uh, HID, uh, Paxton, all the big names, right? Johnson Controls, Genentech, and the face to the door lock system is like a key card. In fact, you can say, I want two-factor authentication, the key card and the face. Now there's more security. Why? Because if you give me your key card, I tap and I, I open the door, the, the door uh, lock mechanism and the system will say, oh, Ziad entered the office at 9.17 a.m. Really, it was me. So what is it's the- It's harder for you to give me your face. What is the accuracy compared to fingerprints? Like, what did you know in the in the early days in the movies? They say they scan your retina, and that's the yeah. ultimate biometric uh, analysis. So, is your face uh, harder to fake, <laughs> I guess, than a fingerprint, or is it is it more accurate? What's what's your assessment on that? So. Uh... Again, I can't comment on other people's uh, models, but we have our own proprietary model. Uh, we did not uh, you know, use uh, academic or public domain models and tweak it. We developed it from scratch. And you know, I think you've been to our offices in Central Square. Uh, I'm fortunate that uh, some of our computer vision PhDs are extremely talented. And our uh, models and the way we've trained it and all that, uh, make it extremely accurate. And so let me uh, bring up three acronyms for you. P, O, and I. P stands for pose. Pose means which way are you looking at the camera? Most people in a, you know, in a, in a enterprise setting or indoor setting know there's a camera, they look straight. Where do we mostly oper operate? Or where did I want to try this technology out that we developed? I want to try it in the most difficult environment, in sporting venues in a very compressed two-hour uh, time frame where people are scrambling to get to their seats. It's a very, very important time. And we've now done three seasons of NFL games, right? And our false positive, which means we let the wrong person in, our false positive rate is 0%, Oof. right? And so, you know, uh, it's a very stressful environment. The pose is not front frontal. You're looking at your device, you're looking down, you're talking to your buddy, you're slicing the side of your face, uh, yet we need to get get it right. So that's pose, O, uh, P. O is occlusion. We already talked about that. You come, yep. you registered one way, you come with more hat because hats or dark glasses, mufflers because it's cold and all that. And I is illumination, which is basically lighting. You know, in the indoor uh, use case, like uh, office uh, suite door, the lighting is constant. You know, it's not that difficult. In a ticketing environment, let's say outdoor, 4 to 6 p.m., what has the sunlight done? It's completely changed, and yet we cannot get it wrong. So our model's extremely good with P, O, and I, pose, occlusion, and illumination. So to answer your question, we have not made a mistake, thank God, until now, but also the where the threshold is, is not very, uh, it's very configurable. We're not looking to, uh, so far anyway, we are not protecting a bank vault. We're protecting, uh, you know, a $100 uh, professional sports uh, seat, if you will, right? 
So yeah. you can bring the you know uh, line wherever the customer would like, because if you make it too stringent, then we're going to reject the customer. And for what? For hundred dollars? Doesn't quite make sense. So there's a, and we have a POV now, point of view. So we recommend, we advise our clients, our customers, who don't know what they don't know, right? Because they want to do this, but they don't know the first steps to do this. We've done this multiple times now. And so we say, you know, best practice is this. We recommend this. You can make changes to it, but, you know, it, it might be helpful. But the possibilities are endless. I mean, you could open it up to a more of a social environment where if you allow, right, you opt in, uh, and that's important, you can you know who's sitting in your row. Maybe it's someone you know or someone you could do business with or uh, uh, in in dating apps or, <laughs> I mean, the possibilities are endless on what you can do if you know who's in the stadium. Yes. And, you know, it's not only stadium, right? So I call Wicked a facial authentication company. And I'm very careful uh, to make sure we don't call ourselves facial recognition company because as we discussed earlier, that nomenclature is a little bit bastardized already, right? I mean, it, it, it con- the connotations are not pleasant. But if you think about authentication, the use cases, as you say, are endless because what is that key card you're holding? The key card is a proxy of your authenticity to be able to enter your office or building or whatever. And our uh, you know, uh, thesis is, what's wrong with your, uh, with your uh, face? Uh, and, uh, you know, the face is so inherent to who we are, and we don't leave it at home, as we may sometimes do with our key cards. We don't lose it, as we sometimes do with these, you know, what we call hard creds or uh, proxies. So we've talked about physical authentication at sporting venues, offices, and so forth. You know, I think we are increasingly going towards uh, already a passwordless uh, world. I mean, who wants to remember passwords, uh, to capital letters, lower level, blah, 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 blah. I mean, uh, many financial institutions are already doing what they call voice print. They're trying to figure out who you are and authenticate you based on your voice. We think in a multi-factor authentication or second factor or third factor, a face is more convenient even, right? So when there's no uh, passwords for your financial transaction in the KYC environment, know your customer or KYB, know your business environment. With just looking at my face, the you know, whoever the uh, uh, counterparty is, Fidelity or Chase, whoever is looking after uh, the finances uh, for me can authenticate that it's me, right? Now, it's not about physicality. It's about e-commerce. It's about, you know, doing financial business. So we And they could use your face and your voice. So now you have a two-step yeah. authentication. And, and if you say, you know, I'm more paranoid, I want a third uh, factor, well, then send me, a, a, you know, a ping on my phone or something. But phone alone is also transferable, right? Meaning if someone uh, stole my phone or I have a gun to my head and said, okay, open your d- device, you know, now put in the, you know, thing that you got, you know, anything that's transferable is uh, difficult. And that is why we think the TAM is huge and the uh, the the direction is one way and, and I mean, use I cases often, yeah i very often uh, you know uh, bring the analogy of a transponder in your car 
If you remember, those things started happening 2001, 2002 timeframe. And in the beginning, people were like, what is this? I'll tell you, I was a little bit uh, reluctant myself. The reason is, if you measure the time between two points, they can easily tell I was speeding. And I very well expected uh, a ticket, speeding ticket to show up at my <laughs> doorstep, right? Yeah. When they didn't, I realized, oh, they're doing this just to collect tolls, not to see if I'm speeding. Well, if that's the case, I might as well do this because why am I having to go from 80 miles an hour to zero, roll down uh, the window, especially around the Boston area, it's uh, cold, get all the cold air in, you know, throw some money uh, at uh, poor human beings, and then you know you speed up at uh, and, and it's, miles an it's, hour so again. there is a level of trust. You need to trust the organization that has the use case uh, in order to use it and to feel comfortable that they're not taking your information or abusing their system. <coughs> Excuse me. So, where are we in the spectrum of facial recognition, facial authentication? Uh, same as computing, do you think we're in the early days, halfway through where it becomes ubiquitous and 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 there's like hundreds of uses? Where, where do you think we are? If we're go uh, going to uh, talk about a baseball analogy, we're in the first five minutes uh, of the first inning. Oof. <laughs> because why do I say that? Because think about how many locked doors there are in the world. And you know, think about how many vendors there are. I mean, I look at every locked door where you need a key card and say, that's my opportunity. Yeah. Every ticketing that you go to, you know, concert or game or whatever is my opportunity or people in this uh, in a category. This is a very small category today, but it is growing in triple digits and that category is going to grow. So, you know, I have uh, teenage uh, kids and I'm worried that someday I need I may need to preserve some of these maps. I mean, I travel across the United States by car three times in my 20s. And, you know, these AAA maps of the whole U.S. and all. I'm worried that my kids won't know what a map is. To them, yes. a map is a GPS, right? So similarly, I may need to keep some of these RFID cards. Uh, <laughs> or, or keys. It, it, <laughs> yeah, or, or keys. Exactly. Keys from the Middle Ages, right? You know, in 10 years, they'll say, what is that? That looks really cool with all these little, that's a key, young man or young woman. And that's called a key, call, a key card because that is going to be so obsolete so quickly. Anything that has a key and lock, and by the way, we're talking to all sorts of uh, prospects and customers who do have lock and key. By the way, here's a, an example, a utility company. When you have power outage, they need to get to these uh, you know, utility closets uh, quickly. And very often these closets are secured by lock and key. Now they need to get there quickly and it was a subcontract that had the last key. Of course, uh, because they lost track of the subcontractor or the subcontract went away, that person's not gonna return the key, just gonna throw it away. Now they, there's a problem of a locked you know, closet that they need to get to immediately. And now they're saying, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if we could manage who has access at all times and be able to change who, remove access, whatever, but in real time? Let's have a little camera and that, you know, your face becomes a way to open And, that and it's intertwined. Security is intertwined with this technology. Like all technology, there are 
good parts to it and there are more bad parts to it also where people can abuse it and control people and big brother, but at the same time, yeah. make your life easier, more secure. Um, and so how is it with computing power getting stronger, right? It's inevitable that this technology is going to be everywhere, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, to that end, I would say there's a small technology developed uh, in the uh, you know late 40s, uh, 50s called nuclear uh, you know, uh, technology. It can be weaponized or it can be a nuclear yeah. power, right? So there, as you mentioned, there are, uh, you know, uh, two avenues and multiple avenues for every new technology. And this is the same. I think as society, we need to have enough safeguards that this doesn't become a nuclear weapon. This becomes nuclear power, you know, uh, because you're right. I mean, the compute is not going to stop. The genie's out of the bottle. We can't say, you know what? Let's go back to uh, Pentium One level of compute. It's not going to happen. Sorry, <laughs> we're way past that. Uh, but uh, how can we make sure that the uh, bad actors are uh, in check? And that is not going to be easy. The reason is just look at cybersecurity. It's a constant, you know, uh, arms race, right? You know, the bad bad actors uh, take, have an advantage. They do bad things. Then uh, you know their protections. My sense is that level of dynamics is going to be set up here as well. Uh, and we do need to safeguard uh, you know, ourselves from these bad actors. Excellent. Well, thank you, Sanjay, for joining us. This is fascinating. Love having you. Love this technology. And I wish you all the best. Ziad, as always, uh, love speaking to you. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you for listening to Never a Dull Moment. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And don't forget to rate and review us. Until next time, have a great day.